You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Good morning, everybody. It's 9 o'clock, and it's uh, Wednesday, October 11, 2023. This is the Hump Day edition of the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. I'm your host, Gary Harris. i got uh, my main man, Justin Jones, with me as always, right there manning the controls uh, just across the uh, other side of the glass, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. Of course, uh, Noah Haynes is always uh, kind of hanging out with us. He's kind of overseeing everything we're with you the next couple of hours talking sports and more here on the big time 100.9 fm and 12 30 a.m wtbc i'll uh, run it down for you here in just a moment tell you what we got on tap but first i need to tell you as always this hour of the program being brought to you by alabama credit union member owned and not-for-profit alabama credit union really is just a better way of banking i encourage you to find out more at alabamacu.com that's alabamacu.com alabama credit union loans for real life some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, here's what we got on tap for you today. Of course, in addition to your phone calls and great conversation, we've got uh, Matt Coulter on NASCAR coming up at 930 this morning as we continue to count down to the NASCAR Series Championship. And at 1030, it's the Bama Football Recruiting Report with Joseph Hastings, recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Sports Network. He's coming up at 10.30 this morning. Also, as I said, your phone calls are welcome on the First Domain Condominiums Hotline at 205-342-9904. All right, let's get you started and uh, talk about some things that are going on. Of course, Nick Saban and Alabama continue preparations for this Saturday morning's homecoming matchup against the uh, University of Arkansas. I'll tell you what. Uh, Justin, go ahead and hit the headline music. We haven't done, done the headlines in a while, but I'm, I'm going to hit them up with some headlines this morning. How about that? Like I said, Alabama continues preparation for this Saturday morning's 11 a.m. homecoming matchup against the University of Arkansas Razorbacks on ESPN. Of course, you can hear it here on Tide 100.9 FM. And I know the coverage that morning is going to start early, early, early. Uh, breakfast with Bama. It'll be here on Tide 100.9 FM. And of course, uh, have, uh, our pregame show, plus then the Crimson Tide Sports Network pregame show, the game, postgame coverage from Crimson Tide Sports Network, and then our postgame show live from walk-ons. So Saturday will be early and it'll be a, uh, it'll be a great day for football as the weather is just continuing to be Terrific chance for some showers today, but I think by the weekend it's going to be gorgeous again. Alabama is a big favorite in this game. I think it's, uh, what is it, Justin, right around 19 points? Is that, uh, uh, look up the latest line. Of course, I got to do my point spread picks on Friday, and I'm still bragging about going 5-1 and one this past week with my only loss being Alabama when I took uh, Texas A&M with Crimson Tide, a big favorite to add home on homecoming Saturday against Arkansas, which is 2-4 and four overall and 0-3 oh and in the SEC. Well, I tell you what, Mark Stoops not happy with uh, the way his team played against the University of Georgia on Saturday in Athens, but uh, 
He also used it as an opportunity to, I think most people try to turn everything into a shot. What do you got on that game, Justin? Go ahead, Ballward. Yeah, it's 19. 19 point uh, Alabama favorite. But I think most people try to turn it into he was taking a shot at Georgia. I think he was just uh, using it as an opportunity to tell Kentucky people they need to pony up the way they do for basketball. Mark Stoops publicly pleaded for more financial support for his program following the Wildcats' 51-13 loss at Georgia on Saturday, putting a spotlight on the NIL difference between his team's players and those on the number one ranked Bulldogs. I can promise you, Georgia, they bought some pretty good players, Stoops said Monday in response to an upset fan on his weekly radio show. You're allowed to these days, and we could use some help. That's what they look like. You know what I mean? When you have 85 of them, I encourage anybody that's disgruntled to pony up some more. Ask about what Stoops had to say after Georgia practice on Tuesday. Bulldogs coach Kirby Smart wasn't looking to engage in any verbal sparring. No reaction. It's much to do about nothing, Smart told reporters. I think Mark's trying to garner interest from money from his fan base for his collective and we're all trying to do the same in terms of trying to get money for the collective. Mark and I talked about NIL pregame and we talked about it in our meeting. I'm not biting on that. Stoops' comments had echoes of Alabama's Nick Saban saying last year that Texas A&M bought every player on their team. A comment that spurred a back and forth between Saban and Aggies head coach Jimbo Fisher that ran all the way until a narrow Crimson Tide victory last October. Kentucky had entered the Georgia matchup with an undefeated 5-0 record and a number 2 ranking in the Associated Press Top 25, but the Bulldogs stopped the Wildcats, leading 34-7 at halftime and outgaining the Wildcats 608 total yards to 183. Georgia's won 14 straight against Kentucky, last losing to the Wildcats in November of 2009. Well, the Auburn Tigers are back on the field this Saturday after their bye week. They go to Baton Rouge to take on LSU. The key for Auburn, obviously, is going to be defense. I know their offense has struggled, but you have to be able to contain LSU's offense to some degree if you're Auburn and you're going to have any chance to win that game. LSU has two losses, but it's got nothing to do with their offense. Their offense is one of the best in the Southeastern Conference. And they absolutely can score a lot of points. For Auburn, which has been challenged on offense, their defense has been pretty solid. Remember, they held uh, Georgia intact in check for most of that game when they took the uh, number one ranked Bulldogs down to the wire a couple weeks ago at Jordan-Hare Stadium. But LSU in Baton Rouge is going to be a big challenge, led by quarterback Jane Daniels, who really should be a Heisman candidate. He has had an outstanding season for the Tigers. Their problem has been defense. They've given up a lot of points. However, Auburn has been challenged on offense, so that might work out to LSU's favor on both sides. Of course, we'll find out when the game is played on Saturday at Tiger Stadium. Well, the uh, Indianapolis Colts and their highly drafted rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson, just can't seem to get it going. And it has nothing to do with Richardson's ability. He's played well. It's been due to injury. He was placed on injury reserve Wednesday morning, meaning he'll miss at least the next four games with a right shoulder injury. He sustained an AC joint sprain in Sunday's win over the Titans. He had sought out a second opinion, but uh, this is a case where the shoulder is uh, is what it is. He's not going to be able to play for at least four weeks. Major League Baseball, the Braves, after having that dramatic win over the Phillies a couple of nights ago, played game three of their NL East Division Series in Philadelphia. It's tied at one game apiece. Of course, if you look at the Braves, they won 104 games during the regular season. Best team in baseball, but they have been challenged and then some. They were shut out by the Phillies in game one and didn't score a run in Game two, I think, until the sixth or seventh inning, but they rallied from a four nothing deficit to win five four. Austin Riley 
hit a two-run homer in the bottom of the eighth to give the Braves the lead. And then, of course, we saw how it ended, and we talked about it yesterday on that dramatic 8-5-3 double play with uh, Bryce Harper on first, a shot to the wall in center field. Michael Harris made an incredible catch against the wall, then threw the ball in. It went through by the cutoff man, but Austin Riley was backing him out and threw out Harper at first after Harper had rounded second and nearly made his way all the way to third. He could not get back to the bag. Game three, of course, will be pivotal in a best-of-five series because the winner will only need one more win. And the Phillies, if they win, will have a chance to get that win at home on Thursday. The Braves can force a game five. Or, of course, win the series there, it would be over. But if they can force a game five, that would be on Saturday back in Atlanta. The game tonight is at, or I should say this afternoon, really. It's 4.07 Central Time on TBS. The Braves and the Phillies tonight and or this afternoon up in the city of brotherly love. The Braves trying to take a two games to one lead. But the same cannot be said for the Baltimore Orioles, another team that won over 100 games and won the very competitive American League East. They were swept by the Texas Rangers. The Rangers won the series 3-0. And outside of the game one, when it was 3-2, boy, the Rangers really had their way. They beat the Orioles 11-8 in game two and then 7-1 last night to sweep that best of five series. So the Orioles, that young, dynamic team, we hardly knew you. They won 100-plus games and get to the playoffs and get swept. The Houston Astros and the Minnesota Twins, That game four, with the Astros leading two games to one, is tonight in Minnesota at 6.07 Central Time on FS1. The Twins split the first two games in Houston, but in game three, the Astros bombed Minnesota in Minneapolis 9-1. to The other series, the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks in the National League. The Dodgers will try to stave off elimination tonight at Arizona at 8.07 Central Time on TBS. They'll follow the Braves game. The Diamondbacks won the first two games at Dodger Stadium. Here's another team, the Dodgers, that won over 100 games, but is on the cusp of being swept by the D-backs, who finished way, way back of them in the National League West. It is the Diamondbacks winning game one, 11 to two. The Diamondbacks won game two, four to two. And they'll go for the sweep tonight at home there at Arizona. So that's a check and some headlines. We're off and running here on the Gary Harris Show. It's 11 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock. If you want to join us on the program, you're more than welcome to do so by giving us a call on the First in Maine Condos Hotline at 205-342-9904. We've got uh, Matt Coulter on NASCAR coming up at 9.30. Love to hear from you in the next segment. We're wide open. We can start talking Bama, Arkansas. I know the feeling here in town because I'm here of course, living here and doing uh, sports cast here on television and the radio is that, wow, Alabama survived that three-game stretch where people were questioning them uh, after getting off to the slow start, two and one, and barely uh, are not looking very good at South Florida. They beat an Ole Miss team that many people picked to beat them, and then they went to Starkville and beat Mississippi State, and then they went to College Station and won that big game at Kyle Field against Texas A&M. Now the feeling I'm getting is, oh, well, Arkansas is not any good. Alabama's a 19-point favorite. Ho-hum, ho-hum. Not so fast, my friends. Arkansas is a capable football team. Love to know what you think about the homecoming game. And I'd love to know your opinion on it. Nothing we can do about it, but 11 o'clock homecoming game. Don't you think that's a little early? Don't you think that's kind of 
takes away from the homecoming festivities when all the pregame stuff has to be held at the wee hours of the morning, including the homecoming parade at 7 a.m. I'd love to know what you think about it. All right, this hour is being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. This is the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. West Alabama's only sports talk station can now be heard on the AM and the FM dial. We'll be right back after this. If you're a homeowner or business owner and need... As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. Get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprise come your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky Mostly cloudy today, the chance of some light rain at times this afternoon and tonight. The high today, 75, the low tonight, 58. Or tomorrow, becoming partly sunny, the high 72. Friday, a chance of widely scattered showers, the high 76. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 915, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. I didn't mention it in headlines, but we had a big college football game in the state of Alabama last night. If you uh, didn't know about it, um, it's because probably it was played on Tuesday night. <laughs> but I think most people that follow college football knew about it. It was a huge game in Conference USA. Jacksonville State in its first year in CUSA, in its first year in FBS, not eligible for the conference championship or a bowl game. But all they had done was come out and go 5-1 uh, and one overall and 3-0 and oh in Conference USA to start the season. But we knew last night uh, on a game that was uh, broadcast on ESPNU that they would have their hands full with Liberty. The Flames, of course, a very strong program, 5-0 and coming in, 4-0 and in the SEC. It was packed out there at JSU. Sellout crowd. And the first half, well, it went, uh, it went just fine for the Gamecocks. Uh, JSU led 7-0 after one, and then the game was tied 10-10 at halftime. But in the second half, it got away from the Gamecocks uh, in the fourth quarter. It was still 17-13 going to the fourth. And that's what good football teams do, though they, they put you away in the fourth quarter, and that's what the Flames did to the Gamecocks. Jack, Jacksonville State's a good team, but Liberty moved to 6-0 overall, 4-0 and in the SEC, as they outscored JSU 14-zip in the deciding fourth quarter and won the game 31-13. to So big, big win for Liberty. Disappointing loss for Jacksonville State. Still, what they're doing in their first year in Conference USA has been impressive. All right, we got phone calls to get to on the First and Main Condos hotline. At 205-342-9904, Roland is going to lead us off, and then it'll be Lewis. Let's go up to beautiful Gunnersville, Alabama, and talk with Roland this morning. Hey, man, what's up? Hadn't heard from you in a while. Hey, Gary, good to talk to you, man. Uh, I want to get your opinion on something. I've got to comment about Alabama. Uh, 
baseball's got to do something about the way they do their playoffs. Uh, for a team to set up for a week, I think it's been it's starting to get proven over some time that it's not an advantage to set out a week another team play a two out of three series. Excuse me, I'm, I'm breathing hard. I've been walking. Uh, but, you know, if you look around at the American League, the National League last year, this year, uh, the team that set out has not done very well, basically. And, uh, you know, if I was a, if I was a team, I'd rather go on, on the best of five series. I'd rather go and love the first two games. Uh, I just think it's a big disadvantage for, for the, you know, teams that's supposed to be the best team to have to set out a week and other team play a two out of three series. Uh, what do you think, what do you think baseball should do about it? Yeah, we discussed it, uh, earlier this week and, you know, I don't know, um, I don't know because, you know they've got they've I, added teams. I and I, you know one thing that I hated was when they had the one game wild card. I mean I thought that was horrible. You play 162 games to get to the playoffs and right, they have a I, one I game. So they went to best two out of three uh, for the um, for the wild card. Then they go three out of five for the divisional, four out of seven for the league championship series, and of course four out of seven for the World Series. I agree with your premise. I think that baseball is a game that's meant to be played, if not every day, nearly every day. I'm not sure after playing 162 games that you want to sit around. I think the thought process was that we will, we will, um, you know, we'll reward those teams by giving them that break. But I think it's, like you said, it, it seems to be better for the teams that play. Uh, but I don't know what you can do about it. They probably added more teams than I think should be in postseason for baseball, but it's all built around television. <clears throat> it's built around interest. Um, so if you're one of these teams that wins your division and you've got to wait to play, um, then you're just going to have to, I guess, you know, I think the Braves played a game against, uh, Gwinnett. You're just going to have to try to find a way to stay sharp. And I don't know the answer to that, Roland, but you know, hopefully the Braves will, uh, get one of these two games in Philadelphia and get it back to Atlanta and win their series. But you know, you're right. It's, um, uh, it seems to be a disadvantage, but I don't know what can be done about it the way it's set up. I mean, you'll have, a, you only have a certain amount of time to play these games. We're stretching the game, the season into November anyway. So I don't know is my answer. I, you know, uh, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I don't like the, really the wild card games. I, you know, I just think it weakens the, weakens the baseball a little bit and takes away from what the good teams have done. But if they're going to stick with that, I'd rather, you know, if I was a Braves or Dodgers that had the best record in baseball, I'd rather add a couple more wild card teams and maybe let the team with the best record play the worst wild card team, the best three open up with just like the other teams. Yeah, maybe so, uh, but, but then you would have, you know, then you'd have people, if your, if your team was the best record in baseball and they had to play in one of those best two out of three series and they got beat, then you'd tell people complaining, well, where's the reward for winning, you know, winning a lot of games and you still have to play a team that barely got into the playoffs. So there's no perfect system. I've always said, Roland, you probably heard me say this. The best team in baseball is the team that wins the most games over 162 games, particularly with interleague play you know the american league plays the national league the best team in baseball is the atlanta braves that's a fact they won 104 games now the best team in baseball doesn't always win the world series oftentimes it doesn't because again over a course of 162 games you're if you're the best team you're going to that's going to play out you know what i mean but in a short series anything can happen we know that you run into a couple of hot pitchers so the unlike football which is 
less games, even though it's up to 17 games now in the NFL, but it's one game a week and one game in the playoffs. In baseball, you play 162 games. Then all of a sudden, you know, if you're, let's say the Braves lost four in a row, no big deal during the regular season. You can't lose four in a row in, in, in the postseason, you're done. You lose three in a row, you're done in these best of five series. So you just can't approach it the same way. It's just so much different than the regular season in baseball. Let me ask you a quick question on football. Uh, I would like to see Alabama start using tight end more. I mean, if you watch Georgia, uh, I know they got the best tight end in, in the country, but he just runs down the field open. I mean, uh, is it him or is it just not being covered or, or what? But, I mean, he's a great player. But, I mean, if you watch, that guy's open most time wide open. And why can't we – I mean, and our guy, uh, Nye Black, is – well, I think, Ron, to answer your question, they were using the tight end quite a bit. In this in this last game, I think the plan was to attack the corners, and the corners are usually on the outside receivers, and I thought they, they feel like they had a mismatch with Jermaine Burton, and they did. I mean, he went for nearly 200 yards in receiving, and, and um, um, you know, they had a big day with their receivers. So I think that they've used the tight end some, and I think you'll see them go back to the tight ends more when they play teams that maybe have some weakness in the middle of the field. So uh, that's something they'll they'll certainly be looking at. Hey, man, thanks for the phone call. Thanks, Gary. All right, Rowan, have a great day. All right, next up is Lewis, and then we'll get to Joseph. Good morning, Lewis. Morning, Gary. I love the show. You know, this uh, homecoming start time is, is inconvenient, but as you know, being in the television business, it's all about uh, them scheduling the games where they can get people watching them and they spread them out all day long. I don't think uh, what time the homecoming parade means a hell of beans to the TV people. No, it doesn't, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, Gary, the, the game that turned Alabama around in the 70s to put them on the, the track for being win, win, winning his team in the 70s was a... Southern Cal game that I'm sure you're very aware of. <clears throat> that game was not even televised. No, I think, in fact, the team was on a Friday night. Friday night. Yeah. We listened to it on the radio. I'm kind of long in the tooth, so I go way back. You know, Bama would only have one national game a year, and then they would have a regional game with Several things would be on on a Saturday. Oh yeah, he was a, he was a, I'm I'm in this. I grew up in the '70s too. I mean, you're right. I mean, it was it was a big deal when you played yeah. on TV in the in the in the '70s, pal. As you know, it was like I remember I played Pee Wee football, and and I remember. Um, we had, and sometimes we would actually play, usually play games on weeknights, but I think one Saturday they had a little, we had a little peewee football tournament, so there was like two games, and I remember Alabama was playing the afternoon game, and we had a, and I was like, man, even then, I was in the fifth grade, but I was like, I wanted to rush, I wanted to get done with that, that peewee football game, so I could, I could, uh, we called it midget football where I grew up, but we wanted to get to, uh, wanted to get home to watch the football game, watch Alabama, you know, cause it was a huge deal, so, uh, and like you said, every now and then you'd get the, the dreaded regional coverage, you, you said, you, you might get a doubleheader. You'd get so-and-so versus so-and-so in the national game, plus regional coverage, and you'd have like five games around the country. Yeah. But you know what? In a, while, a lot of ways, it made it more fun, man. Being on TV was a yes, was did. a big deal. And plus, it was great for the radio uh, uh, broadcast in those days because, you know, you had so many more people listening on radio than you do now. Yeah, that's true. Hey, Gary, I appreciate the show. Love it. Have a good day. Roll tight. Well, thank you, Lewis. And yeah, man, I, I, uh, what Lewis said, I remember it so well, man, is, um, 
and you had, you know, over the air TV. I mean, the ABC had the college football package. So it would be those rare times when, when Alabama was on ABC, you would be like, wow. And then in, in the eighties, you know, CBS joined the, the fray. So you'd have, you'd have some college football on ABC and CBS. So you have a few more games, but, uh, it was, it was something else. All right. Let's, um, keep the phone calls rolling. And Joseph is up with us next here on the program. What's up, Joseph? What's up, Gary? How you doing? doing well, man. Well, I got a solution for this MLB stuff. Okay. I, I, I don't, I wish they would do it. If the Braves won the most games and they won the and they the best team in baseball, why don't they just get a, you know, go ahead and put them in the World Series seven game series because they won their division, they won what they're supposed to do, and they got and they won the most games. So I mean, I think they deserve you know a shot to the World Series. Well, you know it just does, it just doesn't it doesn't work that way because other teams get in and you have to you have to win your way in the World Series. As I talked about yesterday, Joseph, there was a time when there were. Four divisions in baseball. That's all there were. There were an American League East, an American League West, and a National League East and a National League West. And the two division winners from each league won and played each other in the championship series. And then those two winners went to the World Series. You had four teams make the playoffs. Four. And you had one, you had a, you had a league series and you had a World Series and that was it. But now you've got, you know, all these teams that make the playoffs and you just can't, you can't go straight to the World Series. Even though if you won the most games during the regular season, you got to play your way in. So that's never going to happen. So we just have to accept, we have, we have to accept it for what it is. And if you're the Atlanta Braves, um, this year you got to win the divisional series and you got to win the championship series and you got to win the World Series. Well, see, well, if if they do it the way I was talking about, that would put more importance on regular season games. I mean, it would, magnify regular season games huge if they would do it like I would do it. And I think the viewership of baseball in general on regular season would go up because regular season just don't become oh well, well I can win this many games until make playoffs. It don't matter if I lose this many. But you know in that, hey, if I can win my division, I got a shot at the World Series. But the way they're doing it now, baseball teams can calculate how many wins they need to make the playoffs. And it's, to, to me, if that's not Life ain't fair. I know it ain't fair, but to me that ain't right. Well, like the, the the Braves, or, or either that, or they should make the wild card series after the wild card series, like the Braves and the uh, Phillies. It should be a seven game series. Well, well, again, I think that's something maybe more people would agree with you on that you should have a seven game series instead of best three out of five and best two out of three. In the, but, but the problem is then, like I said, is you get in, you got to end the season at some point. We're already stretching the season all the way into November. So you just, uh, it, it, the system is, is flawed, but it is what it is. And, and the teams know that going into the season and whoever wins the world series will be the team that navigates that the best. So we'll see what happens. Hey, great phone call. Joseph, always good to hear from you here on the Gary Harris show. It's 928. We're going to get to the break. And we're going to come back with um, Matt Coulter on NASCAR. Before we do, though, I do want to remind you that uh, the YMCA of Tuscaloosa, and I'm going to be speaking speaking to the YMCA men's group today at noon, so I'm looking forward to that. But the YMCA of Tuscaloosa is a great, great facility, great organization, part of the community. I would love for you to get by and see them at 2300 13th Street, see all that they have to offer. When you do, I think you'll want to become a member just like me. That's the Y of Tuscaloosa, 2300 13th Street downtown. You can call them at 205-345-9622, or you can find out more at ymcatuscaloosa.org. And we'll be back with Matt Coulter on NASCAR next, right here on the Gary Harris Show. Built to win. 
built for championships. Throws intercepted Alabama. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. The Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide take on Arkansas in an SEC showdown. Our coverage begins at 8 a.m. on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Bring smart. Has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Never miss a moment of the action. Download the free Tide 100.9 app today. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes. The flags go up. Churning and burning. They yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild. 9.32. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. It's time for Matt Coulter on NASCAR. Of course, you catch Matt uh, weekdays with uh, Lars Anderson on uh, Big Noon Sports from noon until 2. And also the Matt and Lars podcast and uh, longtime Birmingham sportscaster, voice of the Talladega Super Speedway. And, of course, uh, our go-to guy for NASCAR every Tuesday or every Wednesday, I should say, here on the program. I'm a day behind. It's Wednesday hump day. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Gary. You played midget football. That's what we. That's what they called it over in Cleveland County. I know you wouldn't. You wouldn't use that term now. I know. No, you could. But uh, but no, that you know, I, I thought about that when I said that. But I can't help it. That's what it. It wasn't Pop Warner. It wasn't Pee Wee. It was referred to as midget football. Uh, and yeah, I I know. <laughs> but this was the seventies. Different time. Different place. Now I, I remember it being referred to as that. I think we just. Ours was very benign. We just played youth football. Yeah, youth football, and that's the best but, term. I love, I love the term yeah. youth football, of course, or Pop Warner for those that are associated with Pop Warner. But yeah, it was um, there, in, 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 and there were only four teams. Um, we we were the team from out at Hollis, which was just south. There were two teams out of Heflin because they you had so you had um, the Hollis uh, Eagles, which was the team I played on. You had the Heflin White Owls, the Heflin Green Hornets, and the Fruithurst. Uh, whatever they were, <laughs> so they were four. the white owls. Yeah, 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 white owls. And they had white. They had white jerseys with red, red uh, numbers. And of course, the uh, the Green Hornets had green and white. And the Fruithurst was like blue and red. I don't even remember what their nickname was. And the Hollis Eagles, we were we were gold and blue. So um, yeah. So anyway, I didn't even mean for that to come up, but when we were talking about uh, the seventies and you know trying to get home to watch Alabama, when you you know we played one of those little Saturday morning uh, fourteen term, you played one game and then another game. If you had the second game, you had to worry about getting home in time to watch Alabama play if they had a rare opportunity to be on TV. So how about that? Hey, listen, it was uh, it was cut down day at the Roval, and uh, you know we had some. We had some big names that didn't make it to the to the next round. Uh, most notably, Keselowski and Bush, but Chastain and Wallace also go by the wayside. So we're down to eight now, and and um, just your your 
perspective on Kyle Busch not making it. And even though I don't think Keselowski won a race this year, but he was incredibly consistent with with those two with those two falling by the wayside, two of the two of the veterans and top drivers. Uh, really, uh, you could argue two of the top drivers of all time. Keselowski didn't win last year either. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's crazy is, uh, to me. Oh, it is. He was close a couple of times this year, and who knows what's going to happen in the last four races. But just a quick check, and you'll agree with this. And I know I get paid by NASCAR, but every once in a while my opinion is okay. But I don't know why they have a robo at Charlotte, and I don't know why it's a part of the playoffs. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I, uh, I, I, I We talked about it last week. Take a great, iconic track like that and – it's just stupid to me. I don't. I don't understand. I love the race in Chicago, man. You and I both talked about, it, even though it rained. We love driving through the streets of Chicago. That's one thing. But you take Indianapolis or, or Charlotte, and you turn them into something they're not. It's just to me, it's just stupid, Matt. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And if you're going to do it, especially in the playoff, if you want a road course, go to a road course. Yeah, go to a road course. course. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that being said, it was an exciting race. Uh, I love the emotion that A.J. Allmendinger showed afterwards because he knows the value of a team like that. And, you know, he's kind of a hired hit guy uh, for these road courses. Mm-hmm, he, he knows what his job is. And uh, I'll be darned, man. He, uh, he absolutely understands how hard it is to win a single cup race. And he appreciated that. And uh, I was glad to see him win, although – Kyle Bush, I guess what Gary finished third, I think. Um, yeah, let me look it up. Jeff Payton sent me sent me everything. Um, yeah, he's out of the. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how. It seems to me like Kyle Bush has been among the final four every year since they started this format. Yeah, he finished so. third, and then Chase Elliott, my pick, uh, who did that. You talk about another just disappointing year. He finished ninth. Even though he was first after stage two, and I was holding out hope yep. that Elliott would get a win, but he didn't. And uh, and like you said, your guy Bush was right there at the end. But it's 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 another example of how you know we're so focused on the championship, but these other guys are still racing. And like you said, for Almendinger, this is a huge win, and yeah. you're still allowed to win the race even if you're not, you know, even if you're not in the playoff. And I, I, you know, I've discussed this many times. It's it's the only sport like that where there are playoffs and the teams that. Or, or in this case, well, they're teams, but the teams that aren't in the playoffs yeah. are still competing. Yeah, I don't know anything that's even close to it. So it, it works. I like the playoff system. I might adjust a couple of the sites. But, uh, you know, even with the Roval, uh, I'm still good with it. And uh, we're ready to go to Vegas. Yeah, we are. So recapping last week at the Roval, uh, you had Kyle Bush finished eighth at the end of stage one, tenth at the end of stage two, third at the end of the race. I had Chase Elliott, he finished seventh at the end of stage one, first at the end of stage two, ninth at the end of the race. Uh, you will pick this week. Uh, of course, you lead me in terms of wins, uh, but in terms of um, Top 10 finishes, I lead you 19 to 15. And in top five finishes, I lead you 14 to 13. So I've, I've been more consistent, I guess, in terms of the top 10 and the top five. But bottom line, at the end of the day, you've picked more winners. So And uh, and you get the first pick, pick this week at Las Vegas. Like I said, we're down to eight drivers now. And um, tell us what you think about this race. Uh, it's in Vegas. Um, there seems to have been a good reception to 
NASCAR out there. And of course, for NASCAR fans, it's a chance to watch a race, but also, of course, get, you know, get to Vegas. So that always sums it up well. But it's the uh, South Point 400 on Sunday at uh, 1.30 Central Time on NBC. So take it from there and kind of handicap this one, Matt. Well, you know, I, th- I think if you were looking at odds-on favorites to win this entire championship season, it would be William Byron. It would be at this point, yeah, clearly. Guess, guess who won at Vegas back in the spring? William Byron. William Byron. So I think that guy's out there. And then the other three top four, I'm trying to do this from old man memory, but are uh, Truex, Hamlin, and Kyle Larson. They all have wins at this track, which is a relatively new stop. Mm-hmm. So there are at least four really good picks. And I kept looking at it, looking at it. I said, by golly, I'm going to go ahead and take Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin's been good to me this year. So wow. I'll take him and uh, we'll see what happens. I was really close to picking William Byron, too, though. Cause, and then so- Truex, you know. There's no. Hey, by, by the way, while I mentioned Kyle Larson, I saw something that just was posted an hour ago that's worth footnoting here, Gary, if you don't mind. Sure. Larson is going to Indianapolis 500 rookie school. Oh, really? So he's gonna. He he wants to race in the Indy 500. Like I always like it when the NASCAR drivers do that. Of course, I like it the other way around. But anyway, uh, back to the real deal here. I'm going to go with the 11 Toyota. I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin. You're, so you're leaving me the opportunity to take William Byron. Um, I am. But I don't, I, I'm, I, I didn't, I thought you'd take Byron. So I didn't even really entertain the possibility that he would be on the board. Um, if you want to go, you know, over the last three years, um, you're right. If you look at, if you want to go back 10 years, and of course he's out of the points now, you know, Keselowski has won three times on that track. Um, but he's not, he had one race in two years and he's not in the, and he's not in the points. So this might be the time he goes out and wins a race, but I'm not, I'm not going to take him. Um, you know, I was thinking about taking Blaney because, um, that's Penske's only shot. And, uh, I think like we knew I've talked about, I think it's, it's kind of time for him, his talent to catch up or his, or his results to catch up to his talent. So he's there. But you left the door open for me to take William Byron, so I just can't turn it down. Uh, I mean, he's, I think he's the top guy left right now in terms of the season that he's had. And he won there in the spring, as you reminded me. And so I think now it's, it's time to get back ready for another cut down to get to the final four. So I can't, I can't pass him up. So I'm going to take William Byron. Well, I don't blame you. Now you're making me feel like I've made an error. Because I didn't pick, but here's what it came down to. I think I just don't remember a lot in in the history of NASCAR of a driver that wins at both sites in one. Oh, year. it doesn't happen often. It does not. No, so that was my deciding factor. And Hamlin's a grinder, and uh, I'm, I'm obviously I'm not changing. I'm going to go with the 11 to see what happens. And like I said, I was I was thinking this morning about taking about taking Blaney but yeah I mean you left the door open I mean the guy's got six wins <laughs> I mean he's got yeah he's got 13 top fives um and he won there in the spring I, I mean I, how could I not take him I mean when you look at the guys that are left he's had the best year 
He's got the most points. He's got the most wins. He's got the most top fives. Um, so, I mean, now I'll say that he's got 13 top fives and so does Hamlin and so does Larson. So it's not like there aren't others that have had really, really good year. But I think just based this, this is one of those times I'm just going by the numbers. So I'm going to take Byron. I need a, plus I need a win. So, and I don't well, like, and I don't uh, like, you know, I don't like Hamlin. So, uh, I got double, I got, I got more incentive now even than usual to pull against you. Well, you're going to have a big party if uh, he ends up winning this one and beating Hamlin and beating me. So, any, let's talk to We got eight guys left and not, not the top guys. Of course, you've got, is there a dark horse? Could a guy like Busher, who's, you know, it's easy to forget he's got three wins. Uh, Christopher Bell, one of these guys, Reddick, one of these guys we're not talking a lot about. Uh, who do you think maybe is a is 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 a dark horse? I mean, obviously everybody's looking at Byron, they're looking at Truex, they're looking at Hamlin, they're looking at Larson. But uh, of these other guys, who do you think maybe is the guy to watch? Is it like I said, is it Blaney's time? Could could uh, Busher be a fly in the ointment? Uh, who do you, who do you think maybe has a shot to kind of? Uh, we're only down to eight, so they all got a shot. I get it, but you know what I'm saying? Kind of a dark yeah. horse. Well, uh, dark horse plus want. From my end, I'd love to see Chris Busher win this thing. I just think it would be cool because he's been such a journeyman and, you know, he's popped up, won several races this year. That's cool. Bell and Reddick are still those peach fuzz. They're just so young. Uh, Blaney's the veteran of that group and has had the most success, but I don't think that makes him a dark horse. But uh, when I look back over the season, Busher's wins were a bit surprising, and multiple wins even more so. So, uh, maybe, yeah, if, if I'm going to pick one of those final four, I'm going to say RFK Chris Busher is would be my dark one, even though right now he's fifth out of eight. So mm-hmm. uh, he's not really a dark horse in terms of points and wins and standings, but I, I think as far as previous success, he, that qualifies him as a, as a dark horse. All right, Matt, good stuff. We'll find out about Vegas on uh, on Sunday. And as we start to really count this thing down, and uh, we're, we're winding down fast. Quick uh, football thought from you on Bama going out to Kyle Field and, and uh, really kind of getting back on track now. I mean, uh, they lost the, their second game. They played so poorly down at South Florida. Milro didn't play, and a lot of people were saying, you know, they're going to lose at home to Ole Miss, and uh, oh, yeah. certainly we're not going to, you know, a lot of people were picking against them to, to go to Kyle Field. Now all of a sudden you look up and the West still runs through Tuscaloosa. Not done yet, but only one unbeaten team in the SEC West. What do you think about Alabama and kind of what they, they've been able to do the last few weeks to, to get it back on track? Well, A&M has the best defense Alabama's faced, and their front seven is probably the best they'll face all year. And everybody's been wondering what would happen if somebody forced Jalen Milrow to beat you. Well, guess what? He can. 321 yards, just a marvelous performance. He probably needs to play well again, obviously, this weekend against Arkansas, just to not only build those numbers, but build his confidence and his consistency. Uh, Alabama's developed this guy over the first half of the season. And personally, and I think I speak for all Alabama fans, I'm so glad to see it. He is such a good kid, man. And he's got control of his team. Alabama just needs to start running the football better. So 
we'll talk about that this afternoon noon to two and then we'll also we've also talked about it on our podcast on twister.fm gary i appreciate you having me on every week and uh both sides. We'll talk again. Thanks, Matt. Good segment. All right, nine forty-seven here on the Gary Harris Show. All right, uh, let me mention again. Justin Friday is our Bama football trivia contest and giveaway. And man, I'm this is another one of these special prizes from T Town Menswear and T Town Gallery and the University Mall. I'm sitting here looking at it. Um, it is a special print. It's the Eddie Lacy running through Notre Dame, the process unleashed Alabama 42, Notre Dame 14, and the 2013 BCS National Championship game, hand signed by the artist Steve Skipper, who is the Sports Artist of the Year. He's been recognized as the Sports Artist of the Year. It's hand signed by Steve Skipper and Eddie Lacy. It is an absolutely gorgeous print. It's numbered 13 of 50. I I don't even want to guess what this print would retail for. A lot of money. I can tell you that. But there's Lacey on that iconic touchdown run that he had. I mean, just busting through Notre Dame. You see DJ Fluker in the background. You can see AJ in the background. You can see Barrett Jones in the background. You can see Teo chasing. You can see the defensive back making an attempt at the tackle. But again, the reason I like this is it's signed underneath by Skipper. And it and this is why it's only 50 of these available. Because it's not just signed, but there is a spot on the print where it says Steve R. Skipper Artist. And he signs above it. And it says Eddie Lacy. And Eddie Lacy signs above it. Eddie Lacy, number 12. Then as you go to the right of the print, you see the, as I said, the number 13 of 50. And it's got a little, um, little caption there explaining the game. So this is just a really another, another really special prize. Our thanks to Tom and the folks there at T-Town Gallery and T-Town Menswear in the University Mall. I encourage you to get by and see them right there. The University Mall is still beautiful. It's still climate controlled. Walk in there, go into T-Town Menswear. Obviously, if you need, if you need a suit, or in my case, I like to go by there a lot and get, um, shirts and ties. And I'm gotten several pair of these lightweight slacks that he has that are now the, the straight leg variety, which are so popular and they're so light. And I've been wearing those and love them. And then if you're an Alabama football fan, even if you just want to go in and browse and Tom doesn't mind, um, you, you, it's a one of a kind Alabama football memorabilia collection. I mean, it really is. I, there's nothing like it anywhere. And, uh, you'll come out of there, especially for Christmas coming up, holiday gifts for your Bama fans. Man, they've got them. So I can't wait to Friday to give this away to another super prize. All right. It's 950. We'll take a break and we'll come back with the final segment of hour number one of the Gary Harris show. Phone lines are open on the first domain condos hotline 205-342-9904. We're back after this. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients at 1011 Billy Sports Grill located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award winning wings and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high definition televisions, both dining rooms at the bar and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. 
Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly cloudy today. The chance of some light rain at times this afternoon and tonight. The high today 75, the low tonight 58. Or tomorrow becoming partly sunny, the high 72. Friday, a chance of widely scattered showers, the high 76. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Nine fifty-four. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Hey, listen, uh, tonight Nick Saban meets with the local media following practice, and uh, I know a lot of people are concerned about Malachi Moore. And his status for the game with that, uh, what some people I've, I've seen call it a high ankle sprain. Uh, we don't know what his status is going to be for Saturday. I know this much. He's a terrific football player having a fabulous season. And, um, you know, it was reported by Nick Kelly of the Tuscaloosa News that he was in a boot and on crutches after the game but appeared to be putting some weight on the injured ankle. That was Saturday in College Station. Of course, a lot of times these guys, you know, when they're having some foot or feet or ankle issues, you'll see them, if you see them on campus, you'll see them a lot of times wearing a boot during the week, and then they play Then they play in the game. Uh, also, Jacob Burnett, you know, may hit two punts um, in that game. And left the game, but all Will Riker did was come in, in addition to being the best place kicker in the country, <clears throat> he punted four times for 41.2 yard average. So that's the good thing for Alabama is if Burnup can't go, Will Riker is, is adept at punting, um, in addition to his place kicking duties. Also, Darian Dalcourt, we don't know, um, we don't know what his status is. Uh, he didn't play in the game, but I thought, I thought Jane Roberts did a great job in that game. Justin coming in and playing at right guard on really kind of short notice. Now, as far as Moore is concerned, because he has become kind of the leader of that secondary, it's one of those deals where they've got such good depth and a good secondary that, you know, you probably can overcome to some degree, but it's still you'd rather have him out there. Um if you go to the dime with six defensive backs, then Kristen Story takes over for Malachi. And uh, Kristen Story's been around for a while. He's a veteran player. He's a, he's a good, hardworking football player. But for whatever reason, he's never been a consistent starter. So you feel like there's got to be some drop-off there. Um so I just don't know Malachi Moore's status. Hopefully we'll get an update on Moore and, and Burnup and Dalcourt and any of the um, injuries as far as where Alabama stands. Again, you're at the point now where a lot of guys are banged up. A lot of teams are already taking their bye weeks. Alabama traditionally takes theirs always on the Halloween weekend. So, you know, you're already through six games, and you got to play two more games before you get to the bye. Alabama takes theirs after eight games, so they'll be ready for it. But at the same time, um, with that buy, you're just trying to, uh, 
stay as healthy as you can until you get to that point. And hopefully these guys will be back and you won't have any more injuries in this game against Arkansas. But uh, for football, is an injury-prone game. We know that. All right, it's 957. We're closing out this first hour. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. Find out more at alabamacu.com. We're coming back with hour number two, the Bama Football Recruiting Report at 1030 with Joseph Hastings. Plenty of time for phone calls in the first half hour and uh, more discussion on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. This is the Gary Harris Show. Lewis's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. It's the Tide 100.9 30K Workday Payday. Woo! Win cash every weekday, 8 to 5. Here's this hour's cash code. 343. Again, that's 343. The code is 343. Enter that code now on the Tide 100.9 app. Click on the 30K Payday button and enter the code for a chance to win $30,000. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. After a six-hour ride on a bus from Israel to Jordan, Tuscaloosa businessman Gene Pujipula and his travel party missed their flight out of Jordan. His son John says they have now made alternative plans traveling through Africa back to the U.S. Carly Russell got national attention when she reported she had been kidnapped while trying to help a child wandering down I-459 at night. The report was fake. Now she faces a court hearing in Hoover today. And groundbreaking is set for the new Benjamin Barnes Branch YMCA in West End on October the 24th on the grounds of McDonald Hughes Center. For the latest local news in Tuscaloosa, Bama Sports Updates, and severe weather information, download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news and sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. I'm Gary Harris. I've got my main man, Justin Jones, right there on the other side of the glass. And just a little programming note. I mentioned earlier that uh, I'm speaking to the YMCA Men's Club today at noon. And uh, I'm in my usual radio garb, which means I'm in uh, right now I'm in shorts and a T-shirt. So I'm going to bug out a little bit earlier today to uh, get ready for that 
speaking engagement. So uh, the last segment today, uh, I'll be here all the way up until through the recruiting report, but uh, we're going to leave Justin in charge for the last segment and play some of the Rodney uh, Orr interview from Monday uh, when he broke down Alabama football. Always a really entertaining interview in that final segment. So uh, I'll be uh, heading out about 1045 today, but uh, we're with you. we got plenty of, listen, we got plenty to do. We're wide open for phone calls in this first half hour before we get to Joseph Hastings with the Bama football recruiting report. Uh, so we'll love hearing from you. 205-342-9904 is the number on the First Domain Condominiums hotline. This hour of the Gary Harris Show brought to you by Patterson Comer. Patterson Comer Law Firm in Tuscaloosa, Northport, dedicated to serving our clients. Integrity and excellence, excellence are the driving force behind the firm and its staff. Our business is to take care of all your needs, particularly if they involve uh, an automobile accident, uh, wrongful death, personal injury. We are a personal injury firm, and uh, Paul Patterson's in Tuscaloosa, 205-345-1000. Mike Comer's in Northport, 205-759-3939. Paul joins us. Every couple of weeks with a, a legal segment, we'll look, try to get Paul back in the studio next week. But I'll tell you this, as I said before, um, I do relationship advertising on my show. If, if you hear somebody that I'm advertising on my program, you know, I've got a relationship with them. I, I'm just, I don't just randomly, yeah, I want to get advertising, but I don't just call cold call people. Everybody that's on this show that advertises with me, I've got a relationship with them that includes Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. So I can vouch for them not only as attorneys because they've done work for me, but as individuals. And that means a lot. And I think it's important. And I think you will too. If you need a lawyer, uh, I think Paul Patterson and Mike Comer are the firm that you need to get in touch with. Patterson Comer Law Firm, 205-345-1000. You can reach Paul in Tuscaloosa. Mike's in Northport at 205-759-39. Or you can find them and all the information about their firm at pattersoncomerlawfirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, let's jump into some football discussion here, not just with Alabama, but the entire SEC, kind of where we're at right now. Where we're at, this is the halfway point of the season. 12-game season, we're six games in, so this is the halfway point. Uh, Hard to believe. I mean, once it gets here, man, think about how fast these first six games have gone by. Are you kidding me? And now, of course, you do get the week. You do get the bye week. So you're going to have Alabama for Alabama. you got seven weeks of the regular season left uh, because you do have the one bye week. But it'll be Iron Bowl time before you know it. But let's start in the West and kind of handicap where we're at and where we're going. All right? Despite all of the issues and all of the angst and all of the gnashing of teeth about how the dynasty's over and Alabama's done and Nick Saban's on the way out, at the halfway point, and I understand it's just the halfway point, but at the halfway point, Alabama's on top by themselves in the SEC Western Division. They're by themselves. 5-1 and one overall, 3-0 and oh in the conference. LSU is second, 4-2 overall. The Tigers, though, are the only team in the West that have played four SEC games. And they're 3-1, and one, and they still get a crack at Alabama. So, LSU is still right there. And not only in the standings, but in terms of the team that I think poses the biggest threat to Alabama in the West, it is LSU. Ole Miss, 5-1 overall, 2-1 in the SEC, but their loss is to Alabama. So that's kind of a, a double whammy there. What I mean by that is Alabama has to lose twice regardless for Ole Miss to have a shot to make it to Atlanta. Wouldn't have to be the case for LSU, just like last year. If LSU could beat Alabama head up, they would have the tiebreaker. 
Texas A&M, 4-2, and 2-1 and one in the SEC, same boat as Ole Miss. They've already lost to Alabama. They need Alabama to lose twice. Auburn, 3-2, and 0-2 oh in the conference. Arkansas, 2-4, 0-3 oh in the conference. State, 3-3. Three and three. Mississippi State, 3-3, three and 0-3 three, and oh and three in the league. So any of those teams with offers right now, obviously they're running uphill. Now, Auburn's only got two losses, so they got more opportunity to make it up. And any shot that they're going to have, if they, you know, were to get on a run here to have a chance to go six and two in the league, they'd have to win at LSU this Saturday, and that's going to be tough. All right, over in the East, I'm just going to say it: it's over. It's over in the East. It's been listen. It's probably been over since before they kicked it off. I mean, it's just no matter how hard we work to make it sound like the East is as good as the West, it's not, folks. It hasn't been for a long time. Georgia is Georgia, and outside of that, it's a bunch of wannabes. Kentucky, I'm sorry. Missouri, I'm sorry. Florida, not very good. Tennessee, maybe. They do get Georgia in Knoxville. So maybe there's a shot there for the balls. South Carolina, uh-uh. Vanderbilt, please. So you got Georgia at 3-0, and 6-0 overall. Kentucky 2-1, and 5-1 and overall. But Kentucky's already lost to Georgia. Florida 2-1. Uh, 4-2 overall, but Florida will lose to Georgia. Missouri's 1-1 one one in the league, 5-1 overall. Now they're getting to their conference schedule. Uh, don't be surprised if losses start piling up for them. Tennessee's 4-1 and one overall, 1-1 one one in the conference. Tennessee, you know, is probably, in terms of talent, the second most talented team in the East Division. So who knows? Maybe they can knock off Georgia, but I don't see it. South Carolina, 2-3 and three overall, 1-2 in the league, and Vandy 2-5 and 0-3. And oh and so while there's still some, um, I think, Concern for Alabama and Alabama fans in the West. I don't. I don't. I just don't see it for Georgia. I think now. I now maybe they'll go to Knoxville, and we'll see what happens in a few weeks. But right now, Georgia looks like the clear-cut best team in the SEC East. All right, let's jump out on the first of main condos hotline and welcome in George uh, in Macon. Hey, good morning, George. What's up, my friend? I'm doing good. How you doing? Yeah, I just got a, a quick comment. You know. In uh, Major League Baseball, it's obvious that for the Braves, all the teams that, you know, won their divisions are about to be eliminated if they're not eliminated yet. You know, you play a 162-game schedule, and you get your rhythms for your talent going. You know, you play three or four times a week. But that bye week obviously kills that rhythm, and, and you get rust. I don't want to call rust, but you just lose your rhythm, especially in hitting. And it's obvious that the teams that, you know, won their division, you know, that week off is a killer. And to make, you know, and it's a 162-game season, and to make it fair, you know, if you've won 104 games, 101 games, there should be something better than a week off. And so I was thinking if you win your division, you start off the next series up one. So if it's a a five-game series, the people win their division are already one and zero, and so they play at most four more games. What do you think about that? I'm not, I'm not a fan of that, George. I, I listen. I understand the premise. I understand what you're saying, um, but I, in the in the interest of competitive balance, I, I'm I'm you know it's like putting a guy on second base to start extra innings or or going to two point conversions in, in overtime to settle games. Yeah. I, I just I don't 
I don't like it. Um, maybe what they need to do is look at a way to, um, I don't know, just start the playoffs immediately after the regular season and let your division winners just go ahead and play and maybe they play a wild card team. Maybe the, maybe the top division winner plays the, the, team with the worst wild card record and you just go ahead and like you said you just go ahead and play and you don't give them the the break i don't think major league baseball saw this coming i think they felt like they were rewarding the division winners or the teams that you know the top division winners uh of course one of your division winners has to has to has to play but um i think that they thought the top two teams in each league would benefit from having from having the break and it's like you said, it doesn't seem to be the case at all. I mean, the Dodgers are on the verge of elimination. The Orioles already oh, got eliminated. Uh, the Braves had to rally and win a miraculous game to get even with the Phillies. So it certainly does seem to be favoring those teams that just keep playing. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm with you. I think they're going to have to look at, at, at tweaking it somehow and plus let's be honest too uh they played right away but the brewers which were the one division winner in the national league that had to play in the first round because they were the third record behind the dodgers and the and All the right. uh, braves they got beat you know by the diamondbacks who now on the verge of uh beating the uh of uh, beating the uh dodgers so i don't know man it's just it's it's we're we're paying a lot of attention to it because of the fact that the the uh, Orioles got swept. The Dodgers could get swept. The Braves barely avoided being down 0-2. So um, I, I'm sure they're going to look at their postseason. And 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 but I, I tell you this: the biggest problem I had with the postseason was a one-game wild card. And at least they got the wild card to best two out of three. At least if you lose that first wild yeah. card game, you still have a shot. That was a joke to me. Like you said, you play 162 games, and then you turn around and you play one game. Are you kidding you me? You think a seven-game series is the way to go? Well, I, I, think, they all I, I think they all should be seven games. I think they all should be seven games. I'm with you. That's Because over seven games, you have a much better shot for the best team to win. Because it's, you know, yeah. you, you got to run out pitching staffs twice. The problem with a, a three, obviously best two out of three, but even best three out of five is these teams that have, let's say these teams, that there's a team that won, you know, 88 games, you know, and they're playing a team that won 105, let's say. Well, the team that has 88, 188 games is obviously not as good as team that won 105, but in a best three out of five, they can, they can, maybe they got two top pitchers. Well, you know, they won two games with those two guys. It really doesn't matter about pitching depth after that. So what I would love to see is just what you said. I'd love to see all series be seven games. The problem with that is you can't do that and play 162 games. You just can't. You can't play baseball up until nearly December. You're already playing into November. So, and you can't start it, you know, in the first of February. So, You'd have to cut back the number of regular season games, and they're not going to do that. They're just not going to do it. I mean, you'd have to go back to 154 games like, you know, they once had or, or you know, 152 games or something like that, and they're not going to do that. They're going to keep it at 162 games, so you're going to have one series that's best two out of three, one that's three out of five, and then two of their four out of seven because you can't play baseball year-round, and you can't be playing baseball into December. So uh, if you're going to have this many teams in the playoffs um, – you can't play best four out of seven every series. And that's, I'm with you. That's a shame to me because I think best four out of seven is a much more accurate representation of who the best team of is. Of the whole team. Yeah. Yeah, your whole roster. But, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, really the last couple of years, you know, the team that uh, wild out or wild card team is hot 
he's got one or two good pitches, they can, you know, they win. And like you say, it's not fair for somebody who wins 104 games to get beat by a team that wins 80 because you don't have your hitting rhythm. Yeah, that's, that's right. But you know, George, you, you follow the Braves, and I got in an argument on Twitter uh, after they lost game one because I said the Braves just never have seemed to be built for the postseason, even going back to the 90s, um, because over 162 games, like we're talking about, man, culture in your clubhouse, whether it's Bobby Cox or now with Snicker, the Braves are a great organization, have been for 30 years oh, they now. Are. And the way they, you know, but in the regular season, yeah, you lose three games in a row, it's no big deal, man. It's, it's just, it's just a little mini slump. You you're lose right. three games in a row in the playoffs, you're, you're right. done. And the Braves since 1991 have won 21 division titles, going back to the old, now when they were still in the National League West, 21 division titles and yet two, just two World Series. And, both those World Series teams, I would argue that won it, weren't two of their better teams. The 95 team was a really good team, but it was, they had other teams that won over 100 games that, and then this team a couple years ago that won it, what they win? They won 88 games or something. Remember they rallied yeah. late to win and, yeah. and all these teams that won over 100 games. There's not ever been an Atlanta Braves team that's won over 100 games at one of World Series. Because like we're talking about, short series are just so different. And Cox was such a great manager over the course of a regular season. People love playing for him, snicker the same way. I'm not so sure, though, that either one of those guys are really great button punchers or really great, you know, they're again, they're rhythm guys. Hey, man, you're in a slump, play through it. You can't do that in the postseason. I mean, you got to be willing to, to, I mean, manipulate your pitching staff. I mean, you've got to, you know, it's like now for the Braves. You want to get it back to a game five? But you got to do whatever you got to do to win one of these next two games or there is no game five. So, and I think these teams that, that, that come in on house money, so to speak, in other words, they didn't win their division. They're like, man, let's just let it all hang out. You know, we're, you know, the, yeah, they're the, swinging free. Yeah. Yeah. It, they, they don't have a lot of pressure. You know, it's not, and I think the Braves have, have dealt with that. And it is ironic that they won the World Series two years ago with a team that wasn't expected to do a lot in the postseason. And now, here they are this year, typical Braves team that's won 104 games, and and they seem to be struggling with the pressure. But that win the other night gives them a shot, you know. And you and I both know you lose I that think game, that you're woke done. Them up. I hope so. I hope that so. Woke them up. They got to get those bats going. You can't keep, you can't keep falling down three nothing, four nothing, and and win games. So they got to get they got to get going. Well, you know, two years ago, what happened? Rosario got hot, and he's carrying them. He sure the did. Series. But this year, you know, um, if the only thing that scares me this year, we do not really have a stopper in the bullpen. Yeah. You know, like the other night, he puts in A.J. Minner and he walks the first Yeah, I can't. Yeah, can't I'm with that. you. 100%. The Glaciers came in and got it done, but he got it done because there was an incredible catch by Michael Harris oh, in the outfield. But Harris I'm, I'm with you. Uh, you don't have that. You don't have that. Although Glaciers has been pretty good, I still don't. I still don't trust him. And plus, you're playing a team that can really swing the bats, and now you're, now you're going to a ballpark where, um, of course, the Braves hit more home runs than anybody yeah, in the history of baseball. I mean, 307 home runs, they tied for the all-time record, so they can hit them out too. But this is a ballpark in Philly where you better be able to hit the baseball because, you know, regardless of how good your pitching is, you're not going to – you can't expect to beat them 2-1 to one up there or 3-2. to two. you got to be one – got to go in no. saying, hey, listen, we got to score runs to have a chance to beat this team. It's going to be a seven, five, eight, six mm-hmm. type game. You would think, yeah. And, and we, you know, but the thing, I guess, what bugs me, of course, I'm a, I've been a Braves fan since when they first moved to Atlanta. We, you, 
you know, you you got to have your hitting rhythm. And I think the late, the one week layoff somehow you lose your eye discipline or your rhythm, and it takes a while to get going. And the re, and if you see that that first game when we played the Phillies, the Braves were they looked dead. They had no energy. And so I'm hoping that that catch woke them up, and now they got energy, and now they're you know they're ready to play. But well. um. They need no, it because they need to get off. They need to get off to a good start tonight on the road. Uh, they don't need to fall behind. So, hey, I got to run, George. Good to hear from you, friend. See you later. Nice talking with you. All right, it's nine ten nineteen. We got to get to the break, and we'll come back with Biscuit Bruce. And I see we got another phone call coming in, so we'll keep it going right here on Tide one hundred point nine FM and twelve thirty AM WTBC. We'll be back after this. As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just eight forty nine. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprise has come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky Mostly cloudy today, the chance of some light rain at times this afternoon and tonight. The high today, 75, the low tonight, 58. Or tomorrow, becoming partly sunny, the high 72. Friday, a chance of widely scattered showers, the high 76. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Ten twenty-two. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show here on Top One Hundred Point Nine FM and twelve thirty AM WTBC. Let's jump back out on the phone lines, and uh, we've got uh, Biscuit Bruce, and then we'll get to Jim. Hey, Biscuit Bruce, what's going on, man? <laughs> Good morning, Gary. First of all, let, let me say this: I, I appreciate all the kind words you said about the Larry Brothers the other night on your news program after the recognition on Friday at Canada. You're welcome. I, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, of course, it's, it's well-deserved when you start talking about <laughs> that family. It's, Absolutely, uh, yeah. Man, it's, it's pretty hard to be. I, I don't understand why why we people want to change everything. You know, let's, hey, let's give a game. Let's do this. You know, preferably, I, I always like when you won the division, you played, and then you went on to the World Series. Yeah, so that's the way it was for many, all, many years. <laughs> yeah, well, we all know what it was about and, you know, money. And, mm-hmm. of course, I, I've never been a big, really a big Braves fan. I was somehow growing up, I was for the Cardinals and Bob Gibson and Lou Brock and Kurt Flood and, and some of those guys. And, and old Red Chandies was a manager. And for some reason, and then, of course, later in life, uh, I, I became a Detroit fan and, uh, of course, I've been fortunate enough to go to both the World Series games that they played in 15 years ago. And then we had Verlander, Scherzer, Price. We we had a pitching staff. It was unbelievable. And we 
catered them all out, and now we can't win a game. Right. But I don't, I don't get, you know, I just don't understand. If you don't think the regular season matters, then go talk to these teams that miss even what they have now, which is a wild card, which I just, anyway, Go ask those teams that missed that wild card game by one game if, if regular season matters. Oh, yeah, it, it's, it, it, it still matters. I just think there's some frustration yeah. from Braves fans because yeah. of, um, and obviously if you're a, you know, you're an Orioles fan or a Dodgers fan because you're like, man, you know, we won a lot more games than these teams and yet we're losing yeah. to them. And I think that the feeling is maybe the, maybe the, Break is not good, but you know, you and I go back to like you were talking about when there were 24 teams in Major League Baseball. There was six teams uh, in each division in the American League and National League. Um, you had National League East, National League West, American League East, and American League West, and that was it. You had 24 teams. You won your division. Nobody else went to the playoffs. You played a divisional series, uh, or I'm sorry, a league championship series, and then you played the World Series, and that was World it. Series. But you That's know. Exactly. But this is all, this is all about money and television. So what happens is you got 24 teams and owners start saying, we got to increase revenue. Well, how do you do that? You, you add more teams. And then you add, you start saying, well, if we put more teams in the playoffs, that's more TV. So it it, it always comes back to money and TV. And so there is no perfect system. And I'm with you, you like I told George, you know, I, you can't start doing this where we're gonna, we're going to, you know, let one team already have a one game lead. You know, they're doing that in golf and, you know, with the, with the FedEx Cup and I hate that. And I, and I, you know, Casey Smith and I have gone around. I don't care if you finish on top or not. You shouldn't start a, you shouldn't start a tournament with a two shot lead. I mean, if you're, if you're in the top 30 golfers in the, in the world at the end of the year and, and you want to play for a, $20 $20 million FedEx cup that's paid out over 20 years. And that's fine. I, I don't have a problem with that, but you got to put everybody on the same page because the top 30 golfers, the 30th golfer shouldn't start 10 strokes. I'm a hundred percent with you. I, I don't like that. I, mean, I, I've never liked people it. Stuff, yeah. It's just it, it's weird like to me. Card. We're know? just including teams who, by the way, uh, didn't play good enough in the regular season to make the playoff. So now we've got to include teams for money that uh, really don't deserve to be there, in my opinion. If you don't do what you're supposed to, game one of the 162 means just as much as game 162 in this baseball season. It absolutely does. It's the same thing. You know, it's like I always like to say about the point spread. You know, that's that's for that. Obviously, that's for gambling purposes. But, you know, it's not real. I mean, in other words, Alabama's a 19-point favorite against Arkansas on Saturday, but they don't start off in the game 19 to nothing. <laughs> you know? It starts it starts 0-0. So uh, Alabama on paper, according to the odds makers, is a 19-point favorite, but they don't – but they got to earn it. They start 0-0. You know, you can't start, well, we're going to give – you know, one team uh, – we're going to let one team already be up 7 to nothing when they start the game. I'm with you. You, you have to yeah. – you have to start 0-0. Everything has to be even. It's unfortunate if you've won a hundred and something games like the Orioles did and then you get you get swept hey, but Gary, that, that's the way it goes. It's a simple thing. <clears throat> Both teams go out there, they play on the same field under the same conditions. If you can't beat the other team, I don't care what your layoff was or how many games you won during the regular season. It's a mano mano. You're you're starting at zero. Mm-hmm. You're playing on the same field. Mm-hmm. You're you're getting a home team advantage part of the games and a visiting team advantage, not advantage, but you're the visiting team. So, 
if you can't beat that team heads up, guess what? In you're my out. opinion, well, you, and it, you know, and what you, you said about the Braves, or, if or the, you're right. If, you if, if the Braves can win one game in Philadelphia, you know what? Game five is back at Truist Park. That's why that's, that's their that's advantage. Right. They get the home field that's advantage. If they can win one in Philly, they get decided in their ballpark, and 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 that's that's the advantage of having the better record is you get the first games at home, and then if you have to play a deciding game, you get it at your place. Hey, great call, Biscuit Bruce. Hey, I got to move on. Absolutely. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate you, Gary. Appreciate you. All right, let's get Jim in before we have to hit the break. Hey, Jim, good morning. Hey, the thing about the wild card you're talking about, at least they got rid of the single game. They play two out of three now. Is that it won't be long before they add three more wild cards to each league. And they'll play a one-game playoff to see which three gets into the Well, I hope not because that is one. Of, that, well, that, like I said, that's where I draw the line. You're going to play 162 games and then play one? You know, I just, I, yeah, but well, look at you know the CAA basketball is keep adding them and playing games. You know, hey, here's the one rule. I tell you know, coaches go for a lot more than they used to, like in the NFL. That's one reason they you know made the you know if you missed the field goal, it, the other team would get the ball where the ball was kicked. You know, played mm-hmm. that. Um, but here you may not agree with this, but um, at least in overtime be interesting if they. Took a point away from you if you miss a field goal. So if you're trying a 55 yard field goal in overtime, you might think twice <laughs> whether you predict it or you want to punt it because if you miss, you lose. Yeah. You get it? You know, like, that would stop a lot of long kicks from being attempted, you know. Yeah, it sure Even would. That game, you know? <laughs> it sure would. That's for sure. Uh, hey, let me ask you, what, okay, what's wrong with Brooks? Alabama's yeah, Brooks. I just, I don't, I don't think anything. I, I, I just think that he, Corey Brooks, is just, uh, He's falling down that depth chart, Jim, and I can't tell you why. I mean, I'm not there at practice. You know, we don't get to go practice. Uh, I need to probably try to track now some information on that, but uh, he's just not um, He's just not in play Boy, rotation you know, right now. He's had two catches five yards the whole season. Yeah, I know. He did block that punt. Crazy. Yeah, in preseason, he was the one that's getting a lot of the, um, you know, how the quarterback. Yeah, he was, you know, you, we went into the season thinking he was going to be one of the leaders. You know, he's he's uh, he's been around the program. Of course, had that great game at Auburn a couple of years ago to help him win that one in, in overtime and, and had the, the game-time touchdown catch. And he's big. You know, he's about 6'3". He's, you know, right around 200 pounds. So I can't answer you, Jim, other than hey, he's he's not okay. he's not doing what he needs to do to get on the field, I guess. Okay, well, you know, after six games, Alabama's got at least seven games left. Um, counting a bowl game, you know, yeah. to be more of a PC championship. Game, oh, absolutely, you know. yeah. But they got, they got, they played six. They got seven left. If their kicker um, uh, scores as many points as he has the first six games, he'll be the all-time NCAA point leader. Oh, no doubt about it. Will Rockard is he's on pace to do it, and uh, yeah. I'd love to see it. I mean, he's been a fat after so many years of Alabama struggling with place kickers to have a guy now that. That you just almost money. Although no place kicker is is perfect, and you know last year if he hits that field goal against Tennessee, uh, you know it's a different game. Of course, if they hadn't taken that loss and and uh, on yardage, if they got him a little bit closer, he'd have made it. But he is he's fabulous, and uh, he's almost uh, as close to one hundred percent as you can get, Jim. Hey, great call, man. All right, man. Thank you. It is uh, ten thirty-one. We're going to get to the break, and we'll come back with Joseph Hastings, the Bama football recruiting report, next right here on the Gary Harris Show. Covering University of Alabama sports as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide one hundred point nine, and streaming on the Tide one hundred point nine app. 
All right, 1035, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. It's time to get the latest on Bama football recruiting with our man, Joseph Hastings, recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Sports Network. He's in to break it down with us this morning, even though he's on the road. Uh, Joseph making some time for us, and we appreciate it. Good morning, Joseph. How are you? Good morning, Gary. Doing well. Glad to be back on the road again. Um, actually going to be on the road twice this week, heading to see a top basketball prospect today and then also see a 2024 target on Friday. So I'm very excited about it. Can't wait. Well, you're on the go, and we appreciate it. We'll try to keep a, keep you a little bit shorter today because you got a lot to get done. But let's start with Bama football recruiting as far as A&M is concerned. I know it was A&M's home game, but they had a ton of recruits in, many of whom are also being recruited by, by Alabama, as is often the case with all these SEC schools. But uh, what's some feedback you've got uh, from some of the recruits coming out of that uh, big Alabama road win in College Station? one that we were paying attention to is Solomon Williams, you know, four-star edge out of uh, Carrollwood Day School in Tampa, Florida. He's Alabama's top edge target in the class of 2024. Took his official visit to A&M for this weekend, for this past weekend. Got to see Alabama play for the first time this season and we'll actually get to see them again on October 21st uh, when, when they played Tennessee. So, you know, it was an important game for him. Um, I haven't heard too much uh, in, in terms of the returns from that visit, but um, well, I think it's interesting that he hasn't committed, you know, left that campus, not being committed to the Aggies. He's still expected to take that visit to Alabama this month. Um, you know, so he was the main one we are paying attention to. There are also some other, a couple other targets, um, other prospects on Alabama's radar on campus. Um, you know, Weston Davis, he's committed to Texas A&M. You know, maintaining contact with Alabama. He's a five-star offensive tackle. Um, but the big one, you know, the big target in the class of the position is Jordan Seaton, obviously. But, um, yeah, you know, Alabama made a strong impression. You know, the defense has, has been praised for how, how they've been flying around and what they've been able to do on, um, you know, with the linebackers and the secondary and also recently with the defensive line. So, yeah, recruits are starting to notice. You know, you're hearing a lot of praise for Kevin Steele and what he's been able to do and, and then also, you know, on, on the offensive side of things, they've been picking it up a little bit more, especially this past week in the aerial attack. So uh, that should bode well with their pursuit of some top prospects. All right, Joseph, I know um, it's an early kick, but it is homecoming, and you got some big, huge home games coming up with Tennessee and with uh, with LSU. So I don't know in terms of uh, recruiting visits this weekend, but what's on tap for Alabama with uh, visits this weekend for the early homecoming kick, 11 a.m.? Yeah, so we're still gathering visitors for this upcoming weekend. You know, there is a, a big-time prospect out of Mississippi who's confirmed to be there. Um, not reporting just yet. We're, we're holding off on that. But, um, you know, there's expected to be a visitor there, um, you know, in the 2025 class. Uh, you know, some commits are expected to be in town as well. It's a 2026 prospect. But, you know, like you mentioned, with it being an early kickoff, you know, there isn't going to be a huge group of visitors in town. Uh, and then also considering the fact that they have Tennessee coming up and then also LSU a couple of weeks after that, you know, that's when you, you'll start to see some of those big-time uh, prospects get on campus. You know, there's a few official visitors confirmed for those weekends. Uh, BIM Online has uh, info on those, and, and with one of them being Zay Mincy, who I will be seeing today. He's a 2024 uh, prospect out of Daytona Beach, Mainland High School, uh, one of the top defense backs in the country. He's expected to be in town for the weekend of the Tennessee game. So, yeah, you know, not not expecting a huge group of visitors. A, a lot of big names on campus this particular weekend, with it being an early kickoff, and um, you know the quality of opponent not being as strong as it is with LSU and Tennessee. But um, you know, there there will be a few uh, mostly commits on, on campus, and maybe some surprise visitors as well. 
You know, one of the big things in recruiting today is not only recruiting to get kids committed, it's it's recruiting them to keep them committed. And Alabama's got 20, 20, uh, 20 commits for 2024, but already putting that 2025 class together. You've got an interesting article on the running back originally from Alabama, Anthony Rogers, who's down at IMG, just an electric uh, playmaker, 5 feet, 185 pounds, but uh, he's still got a lot of schools recruiting him. Is he solid, uh, in your opinion, to Alabama, the 2025 running back out of IMG Academy? Yes, I actually had an opportunity to speak with him this past Friday. I uh, attended the Barton Trail IMG Academy game. And first off, what you have to say about uh, Anthony Rogers that I really like is that he isn't scared to compete. He's going up at IMG Academy with two of the top running backs in the country, and Jared Gibson and Donovan um, Jackson, Donovan Johnson, excuse me, um, who's the number four running back in the 2025 class. Jared Gibson, uh, you know, committed to Texas in the 2024 class. So he's He's not scared to compete, went to IMG Academy, knowing that he wouldn't be able to get as many touches, but wanted to prepare himself for the next level. Specifically, when it comes to, um, you know, being at Alabama, you know, he knows that he's going to have to wait his turn, so to speak, um, and isn't afraid to do so because that's exactly what he's doing now. Uh, after his commitment to Alabama, he's very solid. We just posted an article on him on BamaOnline.com yesterday. Talked about how how locked in he is with the Crimson Tide, how his main focus is on Bama, uh, and how he really isn't paying attention to any other schools right now. Obviously, like you mentioned, a long way to go. Uh, over a year left until he has to sign his letter of intent. But I think Sam, you know, with him committing on June 2nd of this year, a few months out from his commitment, he's very solid with Bama. Has built a really strong relationship with running backs coach Robert Gillespie. Recently spoke with Nick Saban about a month ago, too. So he's feeling very comfortable with the Crimson Tide and wants to get on campus soon. Speaking of dynamic playmakers uh, in the 2025 class, Ryan Williams out of uh, Sarah Land, been committed to Alabama for a while, but clearly one of the top prospects in that class and has a ton of interest from other schools. But there still seems to be some chatter about him reclassifying to 2024. I think that is the case, and obviously that favors Alabama where he's committed now. Any update on that at all, Joseph? No updates on the reclassification front. You know, obviously, you know, that is an option that has been floated out there and nothing has been finalized just yet. And uh, honestly, uh, if, if anything was to come about that, if it was to happen or not, I wouldn't expect it to transpire during the season. He wants to focus on winning another state title at Sterling High School, and that's where his, uh, his primary uh, focus is right now. He's locked in on, uh, on getting the Spartans back on top again, and you know, he doesn't want to have any distractions, of course. Obviously, when he takes these visits, he's not necessarily promoting it ahead of time. Like, I'll be on campus you know, at this school, um, you know, go follow me, all, all of that kind of stuff. You know, he's, it's all about his team, all about his teammates, retweeting their highlights, things of that nature. So he doesn't, he's not trying to be um, a, a distraction in that light. So if he is taking visits elsewhere, you know, visited Georgia, visited Auburn recently, but he's also planning on being at the rest of Alabama's home games this season. Um, I, I had a chance to speak with him a couple of weeks ago. He's as solid as you get, and he's the longest tenure pledge in Alabama's 2025 class. Actually, it was just a few days ago, it's the one-year anniversary of his commitment to Alabama, and they haven't really, they haven't given him any reason to reconsider it. So, uh, yeah, Williams is very much solid with the Crimson Diamond. Perfect. Uh, of course, uh, 2024 uh, dynamic recruit uh, Jalen Mbakwe, we talked a lot about him already after that game he had against Thompson High School. But we know now in state it's a different dynamic for Alabama. Uh, the last couple of years with Brian Harson, uh, Auburn just wasn't a threat, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> Alabama seemed to get who they wanted. And, and if Alabama had a guy committed, Auburn didn't even, um, you know, 
make a move. That's not the case now with, with Hugh Freeze. And Auburn continues to aggressively and actively recruit Jalen Mbakwe, the outstanding athlete out of Clay Chalkville High School. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's firm to Alabama, but I want to, you, you fall closer than I do. Any, any concern here with Auburn maybe being able to, uh, to turn his mind around? I don't think there's really too much of a concern on that front. Um, you know, just like Brian Williams, Jalen Buckley is the longest tenured commit in his respective class in the 2024 class, committed on July 26, 2022, if I remember the date correctly. Um, you know, and, and has taken business elsewhere. He's been to LSU. He's been to Auburn. Um, you know, he has checked out a couple of, of schools, but he's remained locked in with Alabama throughout the entire process, um, recruiting top prospects in the 2024 class to Bama, attending each of the each of the home games, getting out there as much as he can. Um, and yeah, he's been all, all Alabama and promoting the Crimson Tide. So yeah, look, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, you know, but I mentioned it. I've mentioned it before. Like Alabama will. Con- Uh-oh. The 2024 and 2025 classes, you know, that's the nature of recruiting until the, um, Penn is put to paper. That's going to be what it is. And, uh, you know, we saw last cycle, Caleb Downs, Justice Haynes, Tony Mitchell taking visits elsewhere. Alabama was able to hold on. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I just get the feeling from Mbakway talking with him and, um, you know, reading the recent update with Andrew Bone. He's very firm with, the, with, with Bama and, you know, often not to visit Auburn for the Georgia game. A couple of weeks ago, which was which was pretty noteworthy since that was their biggest game of the season, next to the Iron Bowl. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he visits Auburn for the Iron Bowl just to see Alabama play um, in, in, in their biggest rivalry game of the season. But you know, I, I, I think uh, Mbakwe is very firm in his commitment to Bama, just like Williams is. Sounds awesome. All right, I know you got to get going here, but uh, you mentioned you were going to see a basketball prospect before we close out the segment. Who is that? Asa Newell out of Monterey Academy, five-star plus prospect number eight overall on Andre's class of 2024 rankings. Excited to meet him, talk with him uh, for the first time. Um, you know, he's recently got off that official visit to Georgia, took an official to Alabama in August. And, uh, you know, I'll have an update on him, a story on him as soon as I get done uh, today. So be sure to stay tuned to BamaOnline.com and check out that feature. But, yeah, Noel's a big-time prospect in the 2024 class for Bama. Hey, great stuff. Uh, as always, tell everybody where they can find you. Yes, absolutely. Head to BamaOnline.com. Get one one month of access for $1. Go to the BOL Roundtable. Talk with staff members like myself, Andrew Bone, Tim Watts, uh, Clint Lamb, all of them, Jimmy Stein, Charlie Potter. Uh, and you can also follow me on Twitter at Joseph A. Hastings. Uh, Thanks so much for having me on again, Jerry. Thank you, Joseph. Terrific update. Joseph Hastings, Bama football recruiting report. Also threw in a little basketball there with Asa Newell. All right, it's 1045. I'm going to bug on out of here. Uh, Justin's going to be with you in the next segment. He's going to play some of our great interview with Rodney Orr from Tyner Insider on Monday to close out the show. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law, and I'll be back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. for the Thursday edition. Of course, catch me on TV tonight on WVO 23 uh, with your local sports. Have a great day, everybody. Justin will take you home right after this. Catch Christian and Corey Miller every weekday here on Tide 100.9. It's Christian Miller here from the Miller's Edge. And tomorrow, Wednesday, we will rush around the SEC, continue to break down Arkansas, and take your phone calls right here on the Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Tune in 11 to noon to hear Christian and Corey Miller break down everything from college to the pros on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports. 
Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly cloudy today. The chance of some light rain at times this afternoon and tonight. The high today, 75. The low tonight, 58. Or tomorrow, becoming partly sunny. The high, 72. Friday, a chance of widely scattered showers. The high, 76. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Alabama fans are all over the world, and we are too. Download the Tide 100.9 app right now in the App Store and Google Play. And take the Crimson Tide everywhere you go. Time for Rodney Orr from TiderInsider.com. Tider Insider TV for his weekly visit and certainly a lot to uh, recap with Alabama A&M. We'll also look ahead to homecoming uh, against Arkansas this Saturday, unfortunately. I say unfortunately because uh, not necessarily for the 11 a.m. kick, but the fact that the homecoming parade is going to be held at 7 in the morning. And that means they'll have to start gathering, I guess, at like 530 in the morning for the homecoming parade, which uh, is uh, – too early for my taste, but it is what it is. TV says 11 a.m., so that's when they'll play the game. But we'll get to that in a moment. We're going to start out with uh, Alabama 26, Texas A&M. How are you, Rodney? Hey, I'm doing well, Gary. How are you? Doing doing well. Huge test for the Crimson Tide, a game that a lot of people uh, had uh, pegged to go A&M's way, including me. And, uh, you know, it was a, I thought it was positioned well for A&M, but Alabama answered, uh, not that they're worried about answering critics, but what they did do was they won a huge road game, and now they're the only unbeaten team in the SEC West, and the, and the uh, SEC West is going to run through Tuscaloosa. No, nothing's guaranteed, but they took a big step in uh, making it to Atlanta with that 26-20 win, Rodney. Yeah, I think it was a, a major win, obviously. I mean, I think, Gary, when when the season, before the season, going back to even spring, when talking about it on TiderInsider.com and throughout the summer, I, I really pointed to two games in the first half of the season that could determine the way, uh, the direction this team takes. And, you know, obviously the first one was Texas here in Tuscaloosa, and I was really concerned about that one because it was really early on the schedule. Mm-hmm. I thought Texas caught Alabama at a great time for them you know, a time when Alabama was still very much developing, and they still are. But then I thought number two would be going to Texas A&M on the road would be a real challenge. Uh, it would be uh, maybe the first really big uh, road game for this offense for Jalen Milrow, even though I think last Saturday night in Starkville or the Saturday night before was really a, a great kind of tune-up for that. But, uh, look, I thought Alabama handled themselves extremely well. Uh, on the road in that environment, they started a little slow, obviously, but I thought the defense played magnificently. I thought those first two series there when Texas A&M had opportunities to maybe even tack on a couple of touchdowns, Alabama holds them to three points. That that was a tone setter to me. 
It, it really was. It was big in the final outcome of the game. And again, I'm really, uh, really encouraged by the defense. It, it continues to play well, continues to show some things that we've seen from the past. And so pleased with that. I thought, uh, you know, offensively, they got obviously much better in the second half. You know, when you look at the, the, I guess what makes this win so remarkable is if you just looked at the stats and, and you saw that Alabama was held to 23 yards rushing, although, again, in college football, sack yardage comes off the rushing total, which I still don't understand, but it is what it is. But you're held to 23 yards rushing. Uh, you did lose the turnover battle 2-1. to one. You had 14 penalties for 99 yards, nine of them pre-snap. They had four penalties for 19 yards. They won the uh, turnover battle. Um Time of possession was about even though, although A&M had a, had a slight edge, more than a minute edge. But I mean, if you just looked at those stats on the road like that in a hostile environment, you had a touchdown call back again. That's six touchdowns called back in six games, which is just a remarkable number. Uh, you, that's, that's incredible. But all that happened and Alabama overcame and won the game. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's something that I'm not sure the last couple of years that they, they would have done that, to be honest with you. Um, there's just so many things you can point to. Again, the effort when, when you know, you're in adverse situations, uh, you know, we could point to so many different things where Alabama made some plays. I mean, you could think about, okay, you throw the interception to Nye Black, you're down to down seven at that point. It's a real momentum swing for Texas A&M. And then Caleb Downs comes back and makes a tremendous play. To, to get the ball right back for Alabama. That was really big. You know, I think Milrow missing the throw to uh, Jermaine Burton down at the goal line, and then he comes back the next play and, and, and throws a, an incredible dart, you know, in the, over there to Burton for the touchdown. You know, all of these things, I think the thing that, that, that it, Nick Saban calls it competitive spirit. You know, you forget the last play and go on to the next one. I think this team is really showing that. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, I, I can't really express – how big of a win I think this is for this team because I think it's an, an opportunity. And a lot of people say, well, now, hey, wait a minute. Now, this is an unranked Texas A&M team. I don't think that really matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't one matter. Bit. I mean, here's what I look at. This is a very talented Texas A&M team. Whether people, some people don't want to believe it. They didn't want to believe it going in. I'm talking about on Alabama's side. Uh, the, the, the fans on TiderInsider.com, some of them got upset when you suggested that Texas A&M is an extraordinarily talented team, a team that certainly could have beat Alabama. But again, the, the, the level of, I would say, effort, intensity, maturity that this team played with and played together, the chemistry they showed out there, I mean, again, it, it continues to impress me. Ryan Newer from TiderInsider.com, Tider Insider TV with us. Um, let's get to Milrow because um, he goes for 321 yards through the air. You and I are in a group text, and, and you pointed out in the first half that with the inability to run the ball with what Texas A&M was doing defensively, that um, and I thought Jalen played okay in the first half, hit some big butt. In the second half, they went to the short passing game, and you uh, said that in essence that became the running game, and he executed it well and allowed Alabama to hold the football and get some first downs. Speak to that, and uh, even Jimbo Fisher alluded to it after the game. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, there later in the first half that, that Reese started saying, hey, look, you know, we got some things open in the shorter passing game. Let's and I assume he was thinking, let's let's build some confidence, let's build some rhythm, and and and, and Milrow missed a couple of those, but you could see it was there, and it was that you come back in the second half on that first couple of possessions, and that's what they did. 
Uh, they went to those quick, short throws, hit the ball out of his hands quickly, and he was on target. I mean, he was throwing the ball. Those are not necessarily difficult throws, but you want them accurate where your guy can make a play on it, maybe pick up some yards after the catch. And I thought Milrow did a great job of making those throws. And then all of a sudden, he's in a rhythm. And once he got into a rhythm, Gary, I think uh, that his confidence really started to kind of boost a little bit. And I think the whole offense's confidence started to boost. Again, you couldn't run the ball. Uh, Texas A&M was taking that away. That was their game plan. Uh, they wanted to stop the run and make Milrow a passer, and that's what they did, and he burned them, quite honestly, once they kind of got into that rhythm. And, again, I, I'll say this, give kudos to Milrow, but I say also all these people that have been critical of Tommy Reese, he's been in a difficult situation you know, since the, the season started because he's got a developing offensive line, he's got a developing quarterback situation, and, you know, uh, trying to find out, okay, what can we do successfully on, on offense? And, and, again, they took away what Alabama wanted to do, which was run the ball, but they went to that short passing game. Thought it was great play calling myself. Yeah, he called a good game, no, no doubt about it. Uh, as I said, Milrow, 21-33, 321, three touchdowns. Now, he did, again, because uh, I – you go back and watch the replay. It was an accurate throw, and uh, and Nybite was preparing for the catch. He got he got baited by the safety into an interception. He didn't see him. Give the safety credit, too. He made a nice play. I mean, he he uh, looked like Nybite was open, but he was reading the quarterback's eyes the whole way. Then at the end of the game, I was trying to figure out what happened there, Rodney, after Alabama got the first down with a great play by McClellan that should have clinched the game. And I went back and watched the game. Because I know there's no way Alabama called a pass in that situation because you get the game's over. Once you get the first down, they don't have any timeouts. But Jalen inexplicably threw the ball, hurried, and threw the ball out to Benson. But when you go back and watch it, Rodney, what happened was Benson was uncovered. So he was waving to Jalen. Now, Jalen should have never thrown the ball. I, I don't care what the situation is. But Benson was, if you go back and watch the replay, Benson was, hey, hey, I, they're not covering me. So Milro, he threw it down into the dirt which actually gave A&M an extra timeout. But I know a lot of people have asked about that. But if you go back and watch it, that's what happened. I don't think there's any way that that play was called from the press box. I mean, you take a knee there, Rod. In essence, you gave them a timeout and actually gave them a chance possibly to get the ball back one more time. But that's what happened. Benson was uncovered. He wanted to catch the ball and run it in for an interception. I mean, run it in for a touchdown. And Jalen should have never thrown that ball. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a great learning experience, I think, for everyone. Uh, I even think the throw at the end of the game to run the clock out was a, was an experience too. I think. Yeah, you got to throw that to the end zone higher. You're right. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, go ahead, make sure you, you had he had plenty of room. He could have continued to drift outside. Mm -hmm. Because I'm telling you, Gary, I'm telling you, you know this. I, I, oh, I no, don't you know. You didn't want them getting the ball back with one second. No way. No, no, and, and not just that. I mean, I don't trust these referees in terms of getting outside the box. I mean. They throw a flag. They could yeah. call intentional grounding, whatever it is. I mean, I, I don't know, but I mean, I, you know, he had room to, con but it's a learning experience. They'll watch it on tape and say, hey, look, you had drift on out, throw it as far as you can. You've got a great arm, you know, loft it in the air, get it out of the, you know. So anyway, uh, but it worked out. And again, I think all of those things will be learning experiences. And I think, you know, I do think this, you, you, this is what you have to say. And I've said this for weeks and weeks and weeks. He hasn't been perfect, Milrow. You can look at things. You can you can pick him apart. Uh, Thank you for listening to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide one hundred point nine and streaming on the Tide one hundred point nine app. Everybody.